Okay, morning everybody. Um, it's awesome to be here. Thanks, band. Sure, that was that was awesome. Um, so thanks to the faithful ladies who, who prayed before the service. It was just so epic to to spend some time um, in the Lord's presence um, before coming into worship. It makes such a difference. Um, this is my first time sharing at the morning service, not as a visitor from the, e the evening service, but actually as a member of the morning service. It's quite exciting. Um, and yeah, I, I remember the the period before we, we made this transition. I remember there was a, I was praying quite a lot because I knew something was not quite right, or not quite right, but something needed to shift. The law was wanting to make a change, and I was wrestling a lot with what the law, what was the change that the Lord wanted to bring, and what is the shift that He wanted to bring. You must say it was a, a, a time of, of real frustration in the spirit, and um, and wrestling through it. And then there was a day where um, I sat here with Reno, and as soon as he he mentioned this the season of strengthening and us coming together as as one in the morning service, my baby just jumped. It was like it was settled. Like I didn't even have to think about it. Um, and to be honest, it was not out of convenience. This is not a very convenient um, time for church. Um, I enjoy um, going on long runs with our club in the morning. Um, so some mornings I might have to rely on the sweet smelling aroma of Christ. Um, but we will we'll, we'll fit it all in. Um, but it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't, I don't feel burdened. Um, I don't feel that now... Oh, can't do that because now I've got to come to morning service. I actually feel an incredible freedom, and that that's something that that happens um, where the spirit says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And when the Lord plants a seed, um, when it's the Lord's will, and and we've been praying and working through things and seeking the Lord's face, then then nothing is burdensome, even though it seems potentially inconvenient in the natural. Um, it is not burdensome because. Where the spirit of the Lord is, like was shared earlier, there's that freedom and there's that joy of um, of being in His presence and, and and following His plans and His purposes um, for our lives. Um, and um, <laughs> there's actually there's actually something quite cool. I heard um, A. W. Tozer say yesterday. He says, when the leaders of the of the church are praying, then the meetings are very short, because I've really heard from the Lord. They meet, they agree, and then then they leave and they and they get on with it. I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, I must just honor our, our, our leaders, Reno and Liana. They really do seek the Lord's face. And to, to some of us at times we might think, oh my word, what's going on? Why are we changing again? Why are we going this way? Why are we going that way? But they genuinely um, seek the Lord's face and hear from him um, before making decisions. So and it's it gives it's, it's an incredible place to actually have that peace and that rest of knowing that your, your leaders are um, following the Lord um, wholeheartedly. Um, so yeah, let me, before I talk too much nonsense, let me, let me pray. <laughs> but Lord, we just come and exalt your name this morning. And we just, we just thank you this morning that we have freedom, that we truly can stand here and saying that um, our chains are broken. We've been set free. We've been resurrected from death to life. We just want to come and give you all honor and glory this morning, God, and we come to, to seek your face, we come to seek your heart. I just bring my words before you, Lord God, and I just pray that everything that is from my heart would fall to the ground, but everything that's from your heart would take root and, and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to be carrying on um, 
sort of from the, the Church Beyond the Building series. Um, this is the Appendix A, Appendix Ask um, of the series. And I want to tag on to um, what Peter shared um, last, last week. So Peter was sharing um, from the book of John the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 um, and he, he challenged, I think it was Philip, about what's he going to do about it and he, needs, and he needs to bring the bread and the fish. And he left us with that um, very challenging question. Uh, where what are you going to do when God asks you, what are you going to do about it? I don't know if any of you were challenged by it. I was, I was very challenged by it. Um, and thank you, Peter, who's somewhere here, um, for, for that word. And so I'm going to go to the part where Jesus actually lifts up the bread to heaven and he prays for the bread and God performs the miracle. And I'm going to leave you with the challenge. What are you praying about it? Okay. There's um, a scripture in Philippians. It says, in everything by prayer and supplication, which is basically praying, with thanksgiving, which is basically praying and thanking God, let your request be known, which is basically praying <laughs> to God. Okay, so basically in that very short verse, what he's saying is, in everything include God. Okay, we cannot leave God out of the picture. Right, there's always, there's always going to be our part, and there's always going to be God's part. And we cannot do God's part. If we are to pretend to try to do God's part, we're trying to be God. Okay, we can never do God's part. And God is always faithful to perform his part. But God will also not do our part. Okay, and that's what was shared um, last week, is that there's, there's, there's our part um, to play. If God actually had to just step in and do our part, he would actually be... They would actually nullify free will. But God will not do that. So there's always, there's always those two parts. And actually, um, 1 Corinthians 3 actually talks about this co-laboring with God. And I actually find it such a freeing scripture. Um, it says, so that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's, God's field, God's building. And there's, there's two ways you can respond to that. You can respond to it from a religious point of there's work that I need to do, I need to plant, I need to sow, okay? Or you can respond to it from that incredible place of freedom where you know what? I'm going to do my bit. I don't need to stress about who's going to make the, it grow and who's going to bring the increase because it's God that does that. I need only to ask, I need only to bring my seed before the Lord, bring my bread and my fish before the Lord, and it's, it's him that performs the miracle. But we, we, need to, we need to get this thing, this, this partnership going where it's, it's God part, God's part and it's our part. And we're actually including God in what we're doing. We're not just going along doing our part. Okay, James explains how it's faith and works. It's not faith or works. It's not you pray or you do or you have faith or you do. There's there's a praying and a doing, and there's this continuous working together with God and seeking God's face um, for, for, what he, for what he wants to do. Actually, if you have to break down um, the Lord's Prayer, it's basically us praying and asking God to do his will. He reveals his will to us. Then he gives us the bread to do it, and sometimes we don't do what we're supposed to do with the bread, and then we need to repent and receive his forgiveness. And then we do what we're supposed to do with the bread, and we give it back to him. And then he releases his power to do the miracle. 
with the bread. It says, for thine is the power, thine is the kingdom, thine is the glory. God's all about his glory, and God will not allow his glory um, to be taken away. Um, if you, In fact, the Lord's Prayer is the only thing that we actually, don't think it's the right word, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, um, that the disciples actually ever ask Jesus to teach them, that Jesus actually sits down and he teaches them how to pray. The rest is the Holy Spirit's anointing flowing through the disciples when Peter preaches, when they raise people from the dead, they cast out demons. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, but praying is, praying is not a, a gift or an anointing that some receive. Praying is something we're all called to do where it's part of this co-laboring, this partnering with God where we we go and we sit and we seek the Lord's face. We seek his will and then we petition him to, to do his part. We petition him for his hand, um, his hand to move. In fact, um, is praying is, is realizing that, that I am small, I am limited, and that God is big and he is unlimited. That my will is a little sketchy at the best of times. Okay, what's that scripture? Um, you, you ask, but you do not receive because you want to spend it on your own, your own things. Okay, God's will is perfect. And if we are to see our city transformed, then we need to ask God to do his part. Otherwise, we're not building a church, but an organization. I, um, I want to steal a bit here from Tozer again. And he, and he, he says it so well. He says from that scripture, um, in everything by prayer, he says the world's version of that is, in everything by money or by convenience or by hard work. But the word says, in everything by prayer. Because it's God's power that's really going to, that changes hearts, that brings salvation, that transforms the city. It's not by our power. It's our petition, but it's God's power that's going to do it. Um, one of the the greatest examples that we have in the word of this co-laborings, one of my, my all-time favorite um, sections of the Bible, is this wonderful story of Moses, a stick, and God's power. And we see Moses and his, and his stick, he lifts his stick, his part, God's power comes and parts the Red Sea. Moses hits the rock with his stick, his part, God's power comes to release that water um, from the rock. And there's many other adventures. I think there's sticks being thrown in water and there's, I don't know, it, it gets quite wild. Um, if you really want to see wild, you must go read the story of Elisha. Now that is wild. There's flour multiplying and oil multiplying and people raising from the dead. And it's almost New Testament, you'd think. It's, it's actually, there's a lot of miracles that actually Jesus did similar miracles. Um, he, Elisha was wild. And he asked for double portion, he got double portion. Um, but there's, there's something that I want us to just pause on and learn from Moses. Moses was not a, a small, weak man. man. Moses was actually a man of a quite great stature. In fact, um, we read when he was born, it says that he was a fine child. So I imagine him to be pretty good looking and pretty strong. Okay? And he grew up in the palace, so he had, he had status. He was very well educated. Okay, This is not... Um, a, a, um, a, a weakling, okay, but yet in his first attempt to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians, 
was an epic fail. Because he tried to do it in his own strength. He was relying on Moses and what Moses is capable of doing. Moses' qualifications, Moses' position in society, Moses' status. And God had to, what did he have to do? He had to get Moses into the desert. Deserts are good places. <laughs> okay, they're not, they're tough places. They're very tough places. We, we, I don't want to make light of, of deserts. But in the deserts is where we learn who God is and who we are in the light of a great and mighty, awesome, merciful, all-loving, faithful God. In the desert, there's no distractions. It's just you and God. That place has been shared quite a bit this morning, just coming to the Lord's feet where there's nothing else. It's just you and the Lord and seeking Him. And um, you see after this period of, of desert living, looking after the sheep, the Lord appears to Moses in the, um, in the burning bush. And there's a section there which can be seen almost as a negative or a weakness, where Moses is, he's like, well, holy, he recognizes God and he approaches him. Then God commissions him to go and deliver the Israelites, go to Pharaoh. But Moses is like, I can't go, I stutter, I'm slow of speech. Um, if they ask me who you are, who am I going to say who you are? Uh, what am I going to do? What am I say? And he's, 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 he's nervous and he, he, he almost appears weak. But I actually think that was Moses' strongest moment because Moses understood how small he is and how great and how mighty God is. And he knew that if God does not perform the miracle in Egypt, there's no ways the Israelites are going to be delivered. He understood his dependence on God's power. He had the authority to wield his stick, but it was God's power behind that stick that delivered the Israelites. Um, which actually had such a <laughs> such an epic morning, not last weekend, the weekend before. Um, Myself and, and someone else, we were visiting um, a lady um, who we discipling, and um, it was a pretty rough weekend. Um, someone who had come from light into darkness, uh, from, oh, no, you never want to do that. <laughs> reverse, reverse. The <laughs> Lord had taken from darkness into light, but the darkness had kind of, hand had come back to grab again, and, um, and the oppression was just hectic. Um, it was it was not it was not it was not nice and um, we went into to minister and um, yo we were we were really at a loss um, we didn't know what to do um, the person wouldn't even get up or talk or nothing the oppression was just so heavy they were just lying there they wouldn't speak we try to get them to speak to share what's going on we couldn't and we praying and we don't know what to do and. Um, the evening, we're like coming up with all these plans. Okay, tomorrow we're going to go back, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do that. And we, we having this whole WhatsApp conversation of all these schemes and plans and ideas of how we're now going to deliver this person, and, and um, it's just going to be awesome. So we're like, yes. So we go back the next day, <laughs> but we can't do anything that we planned because the oppression is so heavy. This person can't even get out of bed. And now we're like, okay, okay. Now what? Shucks. Eh? But like our heart is breaking. Like we can't allow the enemy to do this. 
<laughs> so eventually, um, Alice says to me, you know what, Kathleen, if we just sit next to her bed and pray and read scripture, even though she's sleeping, I'm, I'm sure that's enough. And I was like, you're right. That is enough because it's not us. It's God's power. That's we have no idea what could be happening there. She could be having a dream, seeing visions of Jesus in a dream. God could be putting his finger and delivering demons right there while she's sleeping. We have no idea. God is powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. So we, we just, let's just do our part. So we're like, yes, yes, let's, we're going to do this, yes. So we're like, okay, we're, gonna, we just go, we're just going to sit next to her bed. We're just gonna, and we're just going to pray. Speak scripture. And there was actually one point where now we're nervous, eh? It's <laughs> now we go sit, we're like, because we don't know anymore. And Alice actually at one point, she turns to me, she says, Kathleen, just remind me again, what are we doing here? <laughs> Why are we doing this? And I turned to her and I said, you know what, Alice? We're just freely giving away what we freely received because we can. That's it. And we began to release life over her. We began to speak scriptures over her and we just sat there for a good time and then got up and left. And from that afternoon already, the resurrection life came through and began to return. And it's been the most unbelievable turnaround and it was not us. We just did our part. Our part was small. It was God's power that came. God gave us the authority to speak the word and then he put his power behind that authority. He brought that deliverance. He brought that freedom, that resurrection life, which Christ already paid for. Okay. Um, we, we really need to ask. We have no idea what we have in our hand most of the time. We see a small stick. But we have, if you've come to the saving grace in Jesus Christ, if you've been reconciled to God the Father, you have access to the throne room of God to ask and the Bible's full of it, but we, we, we don't do it. I, I'd, uh, I went through a period this year where I was thinking, okay, maybe I must like read more intercession books and learn more about intercession and this and these methods and stuff. And God just kept saying to me, just ask, ask. It's so simple, just ask. And it's all over scriptures. There's a couple of scriptures up there. Um, Matthew. Um, if I, again, I say to you, if two of you agree in anything concerning that they... They ask, it will be done for them. And John, whatever you ask, Psalm 2 verse 8, Reno's favorite um, scripture, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Okay, but we've, 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 we've stopped asking and we can ask. And this is almost like not asking, it's almost the same as, let's say you actually have access to every single day, go to President Ramaphosa's house, and knock on his bedroom door and say, Cyril, I've got something I would like to ask of you for our nation. And an hour later, you can go back and you can say, Cyril, Mr. President, there's something I would like to ask of you for our nation. We got our new mayor. Who is it? Plato. Who's our new mayor? Dan Plato. Yes. Mr. Mayor. Something I would like to ask of you. Sorry to disturb your lunch. <laughs> you know, we must have manners before the Lord. The Lord is holy. We don't enter his presence lightly. Something I would like to ask of you for our city of Cape Town. Day and night, you can petition, not the mayor, not the president, okay, not 
Bill Gates, or who's the richest man now? I don't know. Someone mentioned it um, last week. Peter mentioned who the new richest man is. The Google guy, Amazon guy. But the God of the universe who has all power, his throne is above all thrones, the God above all gods, we can go to him, Lord, I ask that you deliver our nation, that you transform our city, that you save my family. But we don't want to ask. This building where we're standing here is a testimony of asking. It was incredible. I remember it was a good couple of years ago, and it bothers me that it was a good couple of years ago, and that's why I'm bringing this word this morning. We had a three-day corporate prayer and fast, the whole church, and we got together up there by the, this place called the Summer House. And we, we went before the Lord, and we said, okay, first Lord, show us, because we were in crisis. We were going to be having church in the pick and bank. Which might, might have been quite fun. Matthew would have liked that. Okay. Um, does say moi. Um, first we said, Lord, show us what you want to give us. And he gave us a vision. I remember very clearly. It was a place on a corner, a place with a big open space for large gatherings and lots of small rooms where other ministry can happen. So we said, okay. This is what the Lord showed us he wants to give us. Okay, then we were like, okay, now we're going to ask for what the Lord has shown us he wants to give us. And then we asked for it. Oh, it was not even a week we had this place. But we've, <laughs> we've stopped doing that. We've stopped asking. And I want to say um, disappointment is real. And I know uh, there are people yeah, you've asked, and there has been very real disappointment, and, 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 and it, it, it can hurt. And I don't have answers why sometimes we don't get the answers that, that, we, th that we want, or somehow the answer's very late, or it's still delayed, and we're still waiting for it. I don't know. Okay, but all I know is that God is faithful, that God is good. I know He is good. I know he's true to his word, and I know that his word stands yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I know that if he says ask today, he means ask today, he means ask yesterday, he means ask tomorrow. And I know that his will is perfect, and I know that his ways are higher than our ways. And once again, I know that he is good, and I know that he loves us. And I want to just encourage you, I, I don't want to say just put it behind you, no, we don't do that. But I really want to encourage you to actually just... If you're struggling to ask because of disappointment, I want to really encourage you to just go wrestle it through with the Lord. I believe he wants to reveal to you again who he is. He wants to just come restore something in your faith. Um, but it, that happens in a place of wrestling where we bring our real emotions and our disappointment before the Lord. I, I the other day, I threw a tantrum with the Lord. <laughs> I got the most beautiful answer in the afternoon. It was amazing. Um... <laughs> I was afterwards, I was like, I'm always, I just throw a tantrum. Um, but let's be real with the Lord, that the Lord is faithful, and um, we can be real with him, and let's, but let's, let's not live by circumstance, but let's live by the word. Okay, the word is our bread, and we need to, we need to go hold on to it. Um,
we can ask, we've been given authority. Okay, in Luke 10, it says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We can speak to mountains. We have the authority to do that, and, and God's power will come to move those mountains. Okay, God did not say go around the mountain or avoid the mountains or blast a tunnel through the mountains. God said, if you speak to this mountain, it will be removed and cast into the sea. Okay. Our authority in Christ is backed by God's power, which is able to move mountains. But we are not seeing mountains move in this city, in this nation, because the prayer rooms are silent. We're not speaking. We're trying to go around the mountains the whole time. If God says, walk around it seven times, do that. But then you would have heard that in his presence. You need to speak. The prayer rooms need to be the loudest place in the church again. There's this very cool story I read in um, Dad Sheets' book on authority in prayer. It tells a story of world vision. They went to a village in um, Ethiopia, and this village had this tree, which was a very old tree near the river. And the people somehow made a god of this tree. They thought this tree was holy, and they must worship this tree. I don't know where they got that, but demons are all over me. Full of nonsense. Um, and they had, these people would go every day and they would pray to this tree and they would put gifts by this tree and etc. And World Vision came there and they were there to put in an um, irrigation system. I actually find, and what I like about the story is we actually see like natural giftings like we've been sharing about church beyond the building and like engineering and stuff coming together with the spiritual, with the praying. Okay, so I'm saying it's not, it's not one or the other. Um, but they realized that this tree is a massive stumbling block to them preaching the gospel and the people um, receiving um, Christ because they, they keep worshiping this tree. And they were praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. And um, the one day in the prayer meeting, the, the Lord laid that scripture on, the, on their heart where he first curses the fig tree and then afterwards he says, if you speak to this mountain. And God said, if you guys speak to this tree, that it wither and be removed, it will be done. And they put their faith together corporately, and they began to speak to this tree. And they noticed after a while, slowly, this tree just started, like, dying. And eventually, the tree withered away and was gone. And after that, they saw massive amount of people coming to salvation in Christ once it was removed. So something to stir your faith a little bit. We actually have a, a lovely testimony. Liana can share more detail about a fountain that mysteriously disappeared that was impacting our worship. It was in the way. It needed to go. The Lord showed us what to, what to speak that it must go, and now it's gone. But now they've got some other thing up there. Say, return of the fountain. I don't know, where's our fountain? But we should maybe go, go, go tell them where the fountain is. <laughs> okay, we need to. The church must not be quiet. All right. Okay, in love. All right. Okay, so... Now I want to get to the actual word for today, <laughs> um, and it's a scripture in Ezra. Now, the scripture is a little bit hard to actually 
see what the scripture is saying. So I'm going to give you a bit of background. It's in Ezra where um, the command, well, the, the burden has been laid to rebuild um, the temple. And the Lord has given favor um, for the people to return and rebuild um, the temple of the Lord. Um, but the people, they first, now, before they built the temp, rebuilt the temple, they first restored all the altars. And they were started, re, started making sacrifices on the altars to the Lord again um, and worshiping again. And, um, and then they rebuilt the temple. So it, it's a bit of a, a strange scripture, but just, just stick with me. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings. So they, the, the altar was restored. Okay? They, were, they were coming into the Lord's presence again. They were offering, making offerings to the Lord. Although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not yet been laid. Okay, so this was pre the temple being rebuilt, and then after that, they actually started the rebuilding of the temple. Now, when we were making the decision and talking around um, this whole thing of the Lord strengthening us and bringing the, um, the evening guys, us amazing evening people, to the, morning, to the morning service to come and strengthen you guys, and you guys are strengthening us together, um, um, the, the Lord laid this on my heart. Um, and it was like you're saying over the past seven, eight years, we've actually restored um, the altars of worship specifically, um, and now it's time to rebuild the temple, start the building on the temple, and the strengthening was to now build the temple. We needed that, that coming together strength, and that was confirmation of, of that, what's, what's, what's happening now, but then I, was, I, was, I couldn't understand why the Lord was taking me back to that scripture when I was preparing for, for this morning's message. And I was like, Lord, but what? I'm, I'm, I'm not getting it. So, and he said, what I felt him saying to me is that there is an altar that has become broken down again. And it needs to be repaired first before we continue with the rebuilding of the temple. And he said that altar is the altar of prayer. The Lord first wants to restore that place where we as a corporate, as a body, begin to come before him to seek his face. To Altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of consecration. It's a place of laying down. But the Lord says, take up your cross and follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We like the burden is light. But there's a yoke. Yoking means you're going where Jesus is going. But it's light. So I don't know why we moan about it. But it's a yoking. You either, you, you either you, and it's not a, you don't yoke with Jesus, and then you eat some grasses here, some grass here, and then you yoke. When you yoked, you yoked. So you either yoked with Jesus or you yoked with the world, one or the other. You can't flip between the two. Okay. And we have not, we have neglected in a large way yoking with Jesus in prayer. And that prayer altar has become broken down, and we need to rebuild it, and we need to repair it, so that we can see God's power, not our power, begin to move to transform the city. This is a hectic scripture, but bear with me. Matthew chapter 21. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. They're having big church bazaar trying to raise funds for their building from church bazaar instead of seeking God's face. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
Yeah, the church is not called to be the marketplace. The church is called to transform the marketplace. And not through our own strength, but through our authority, we have been given to govern God's power in everything by prayer. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 to 19. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, governance. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm going to steal a bit here from just Dutch 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 sheets. Dutch Dutch sheets. And he gives an, a, a very a very cool explanation um, of this word which is used for church over here, which is the word ecclesia, okay, which we are, the ecclesia. And he explains what it actually meant to the people in that time when Jesus was was saying this. He says, To the Greeks in Christ's day, an ecclesia was an assembly of people set apart to govern the affairs of a state or a nation. In essence, a parliament or congress. To the Romans, it was a group of people sent into a conquered region to alter the culture until it became like Rome. When Jesus said he would build his church, he was without question speaking of a body of people that would legislate spiritually for him, extending his kingdom government rule over the earth. We are to invade our culture workplace, city, nation, with the might of God's kingdom and spread his life and rule everywhere. That is what praying with authority is all about. That is what praying with authority is all about. I kind of sometimes skip that one little P word. If a society or culture remains the same after Christ's church shows up, then the church is not being the church. We're just an organization. And we are praying. If we weren't praying, this church would not still be here today. But now the Lord wants to up it. That we all, remember I said, it's not an anointing or a gifting that some people have. We are all called to co-labor. And it's an exciting thing. It's an adventure. I mean, to have stories of knowing like, <laughs> you just ask and God did like crazy stuff. That's what brings life. Okay. So there's two scriptures that I believe are key as we go forward with co-laboring with God and seeing Cape Town transformed beyond the building. The first is in Ezekiel chapter 47. And um, this is where the Lord has given Ezekiel a vision um, about a temple and a river. And he takes him into this river and he sees this river flowing. You can go read the whole scripture yourself. Um, but what's amazing about this river is that where, when it flows into the salty sea, the sea actually the sea becomes fresh, and that that was dead in the sea actually comes to life. And um, I'm going to skip all the way down to to verse 12. This part. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month. In other words, there will be momentum because the water for them flows. From the sanctuary, that place where we come together in prayer to seek the Lord's face and to 
speak his will over our city, to speak his will into our workplaces, into the schools, into homes, into suburbs, into our neighborhoods. Don't tell me you love your neighbors, but you're not praying for them. Or you love the city, but you're not praying for the city. Then you think that you've got everything in your own power to change it. Okay, so we come here, we pray. We like the dam. The Lord comes to rain. He sends his rain to fill that dam. Okay, but we're not supposed to jump in the dam with our lilos and just have fun in the rain in the dam. We meant to praise that the water in that dam can be released, that those rivers can begin to flow, that where there's death, there can be life, where it's salty, it can become fresh, where there's nothing growing, we can begin to see growth, we can begin to see fruit, and we can begin to see momentum that flows from the sanctuary. We cannot neglect the gathering, the church, corporate prayer, if we want to see the city truly transformed. Second key, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see Elijah's having the massive showdown with the Baal prophets. And it says, he called, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Then the fire of the Lord fell. I think a lot of times we want the fire before going to the altar. Fire people. Let's go to our favorite fire chapter, Acts. We love this fire chapter. These all continued with one accord in prayer. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. We love picnics. It's good. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. One of my favorite fire testimonies is, and this again, it was three years ago. I'm like, that's too long ago. We were there. What's that place? Cromer. Monday night. Big leaders meeting. We gathered. It was was February. It was my birthday. And um, we took hands. And Rana said, okay, we're going to ask God for a specific number of salvations for this week. But we had been worshiping, and we had been praying. The fire was there. We went to the altar, and then the fire fell. And we took hands. The Lord gave us a number, and then we said, okay, now we're going to ask for that number. And we asked. I can't remember exactly, but it was a big number. It was like 40, 50 round. 40? 44. Good, good, good memory. Right, next year, this year, next year, February, it's, I'm 44, so we better get together again, and then we're going to ask for double, 88. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's wanting of a better birthday present. So, varis is so real as raggies. How do you translate that into English? Some things just work better in Afrikaans. We counted from the Nations Festival from that Sunday service and we got that exact amount of new commitments to Christ. Okay, but there was fire, but we went to the altar first. We want the fire, guys. God's not, not God, God, don't play with God. Okay, my parents said don't play with fire. (laughs) 
So two stones, and we'll give you the first two stones to rebuilding this altar, because we're going to rebuild this altar if we're serious about transforming this city. First stone, restore your personal and prayer altar. Personal and family prayer altar. Okay, daily discipline. We don't like discipline. Okay, we then use this label religion. All right? Being religious. Nonsense. Okay, Jesus prayed every day. He woke, rose up early to go and pray. All right? Don't tell me you love the city and you want revival and you're not willing to get up and pray and count the cost. And I'm guilty as well. I fight this. And you'll never believe the noble, holy excuses the enemy gives you to not, to not do it. Okay? But we need to recognize that, in, in those voices. All right? And if you're in the word regularly, you'll recognize it. I actually, th we've seen a lot in our, in our nation in terms of recently restoration of city altars and the, and the national altar where the, where the church, glow, like glow, as the bigger church comes together to pray for the city or to pray for the nation. But, and this is just, it's just my opinion, um, I feel that the reason why we haven't seen momentum from those prayer altars being restored is that the, the personal and family and corporate um, within one church body prayer altars are still broken down. So we come together, but then the momentum doesn't carry. And the secret to that momentum is going to be us restoring our personal and family um, prayer altars and this altar here within the church. And then we'll see it at the city altar and the national altar. And it will carry through. That water will keep flowing. Okay, it won't become a lack of dam. And then the second stone is restoring the prophetic dream. We need to dream again, guys. I've um, I've started actually. Uh, I've printed out Martin Luther's speech. I have a dream, and I, I'm starting to write, like, use that as almost as a framework to write my own. I have a dream for the city. I have a dream for this nation. I have a dream for my family. I have a dream for my work, and I want to start praying that. We need to dream. We need to think big. Otherwise, we're making God small. Um. Proverbs 29 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. Okay, I nearly perished last week in the Swartberg Mountains for lack of vision. <laughs> no, you, you, you laugh. It was real. Um, <laughs> I went and did a, you guys, are you guys were camping? I was doing a, a stage race. But the, the, the guy who um, I partnered with, he had a great vision for how our team was going to do. Do you do it in pairs? In twos? Um, but when, I, when he phoned me up to ask me if I'll run with them, I, I was just thinking, I, all I heard was, I don't have to pay. So I'm thinking, freebie. <laughs> He's thinking, win. <laughs> and a few days later, I was like, I better train. <laughs> um, and I've just got freebie going in my mind. I'd totally not bought into his vision for, for, for what the plan was. Um, for the weekend, a lot of us are in church for the freebie. We have not bought into the, into the vision. We're just here for what we can get out of God. And I, I repent for those I've offended right now. Um. But there came a moment I had to make a, a very critical decision about whether I'm going to buy into this vision or not. Because it got pretty rough out there in those mountains. And 
because I did not have the vision that he had, the voices came. If any of you have ever done endurance sports, and these voices that give you very good ideas about why this is not a good idea to be doing what you right now, <laughs> like those, oh, you, you see that bucky there, you can get in it right now and you can get back to the finish or you can just sit here and, um, you know, if, if I had to decide now, either I'm going to um, buy into his vision or I'm just going to sit down on a little rock here and perish in the mountains. And, um, and I remember there was a very clear moment where I decided, Kathleen, pull yourself together. Okay, this is his vision. I'm buying into it. I'm going with. It's easy hell. I'm going to die. I feel like I want to literally just die. I was really being very grateful for my eternal salvation at a point. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just pushing the pain aside. I don't care how sore it is. I don't care if it feels like there's like a thousand needles pushing through my foot every time I take a step. I'm pushing that aside. I'm going with this vision. And if any team wants to beat us, they've got to have more than their A game out here. They're going to have to sweat blood. Because we've got this vision and we're going for it. And I bought into that vision. And that strengthened me. And I was able to go with. But if I had not made that decision to buy into the vision, we would have perished out there. But buying into the vision helped me to get through the suffering, to get through the uncomfortableness, to get through the inconvenience of, you know, when Raina says, if we buy into vision, to, if a church buys into the vision that the Lord has given its leaders, that leader can say, we're going up the mountain now, and we'll go, I'm ready. If we haven't, we're like, mm, it's a bit inconvenient, I've got the family coming over for lunch, the in-laws, and yeah, I don't know, I'm not so sure. Petrol's expensive, you want me to drive all the way into the city to go and pray, petrol prices has gone up, it's going to cost me a lot. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Hey, and I'm, I've already, it's Wednesday, and I've already got small group tonight. It's a bit inconvenient to do things twice in one day. Yeah, I'm not so sure. But it's okay, but you go. All right, we won't be able to count the cost unless we bind that vision. So you need to go and sit down. You need to get a personal vision, a dream. We need to come together. We need to get a vision. We need to get a dream again for the city, and we need to pray into it together. What's that last? I'm going to finish off the band can come up. I'm going back to Reno's saying for us. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Okay. Just repeating our pastor. So we got to decide. Are we going to go together? Are we going to go alone? Are we going to rely on our own strength, our own gifts? own qualifications or are we going to rely on God's power and are we going to ask or are we going to be silent we need got some decisions that we need to make but wow if I, I mean from what I know of God man I, I, have, I have a dream this city a dream this city a city without drugs a city without violence a city where the, tra the trains work, man. That I pray that regularly. I'm like, Lord, I have a dream. For a city where there's like just trains that work well and they're safe. A dream where our kids can ride bicycle to school. 
Okay? It's safe. You don't have to worry about them being kidnapped. Dream where you can walk in the streets in Bontiyevil at night and not worry about being shot. Dream where we worshiping in the street, where worship comes forth from every park, every home. The Lord wants to give us a dream, okay? But we need we need to go to the altar. We need to ask, and then we need to begin to ask for that dream to manifest. So I want to let's stand, and I just want to give us an opportunity to pray for each other. While every eye is closed, um, let's just let's just let's just Let's strengthen each other. Let's pray for each other. So I want to invite you to, to, to come forward for prayer. If, oh, just if you're feeling the Lord speaking to you, you've realized, you know, maybe, maybe your, your family altar has become broken down or your personal prayer altar has become broken down and you just want to come and just come spend some time here in front in the presence of the Lord and just make that commitment again to just, to just rebuild your, your personal and your family prayer altar. And I just want to invite you, just, just come forward and just come as a sign of commitment to like, and someone will pray with you. Just like, I want to rebuild. You want to commit again to dreaming for the city, for praying for the city, for trusting the city. If you, want to, if you just want to have your faith restored, maybe there's been disappointment, or maybe you've just gone tired, or you just, you just don't know anymore, you're just not too sure just been blinded by circumstances and what you see around you in the news and I want to invite you to come forward, we want to pray for you that your sight gets restored that you can see again but with with new vision, with prophetic vision that your faith gets restored if you feel you just need some faith fire again, you, 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 you're really struggling to trust for the impossible we want to pray with you that that faith gets restored, that that fire gets ignited again okay, if you I don't know I don't know what the Lord's speaking to you. The Lord's speaking to you. Okay. If you need strength, if you've just, you're just so weak, and you just need the Lord to strengthen you, and I want to invite you to just come forward. Or you've just, you've just lost touch with God's heart. You're not feeling anymore. I went through this a short while ago where I was like, Lord, I actually don't feel compassion anymore. I see the devastation around me, but my heart has just grown so hard just from waiting too long. And if your heart's grown hard from waiting and you're just not feeling again, come forward. We can pray for you that the Lord can just restore that feeling again that you can begin to feel. And just anything else, let's pray for each other. Anything you have that you're trusting for, you need us to add your faith to it, to trust for, to ask. It's something you really... you. you, you you, you want to ask God, but you just want someone to pray with you with two or three agree to ask God that he would do it. Then, then come, let us pray together. Let us strengthen each other together. We just get some facilitators to just come and really pray with these people. Any other prayer you need, let's really, let's lift each other up in prayer. Let's not try and do things in our own strength, but let's trust in God's power to come and work in our lives, in our families' lives, in our cities' lives, in our workplaces. So if all the facilitators, Mumsy, you guys, Bianca, Agnes, Johannes, 